Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Pedagogy Matters podcast for the 2021-2022 academic session. The purpose of the podcast is to bring the force some key topics of conversation in relation to learning and teaching, to discuss and break down aspects of practice and provide snippets, advice and guidance as to how we can integrate these into our daily practice. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr Lee Coots from Strathclyde University. Lee, welcome, how are you? Hi Johnny, I'm good, thanks and thanks for, for inviting me to, to come and chat to you today. Very, very welcome. I'm delighted you could join me on a, on a Friday afternoon where the sun is shining for a change, you know, so I appreciate your time and appreciate your input. And today, Lee, we'll be talking around the topic of transformative learning and teaching. So I, I've got no doubt some of this will be thinking, well, what do you mean by that? So yeah. I thought it'd be a good place to kick us off. So kind of what is meant in, in, kind of in your interpretation of that term, the transformative learning and teaching? Yeah, I think you're right. People can interpret what that term means in, in different ways and for different people, transformative teaching and learning does mean different things. And really what, what I want to talk about today and share today is, is my take on it and how I understand it. But for different people, it will mean different things. And I think you know a good starting point is, is really just to say it's about making a positive difference. You know, it's about making a positive difference for people's lives. And you might say, well, all education aims to do that. But this is a particular perspective. Um, a, a particular way, if you like, of being able to do that. So before before I start going to some of the, the details about it, I think it's worthwhile just talking a little bit about my own experience and where some of this view that I have has come from. So I spent a significant amount of time in college myself. I did a, a, an NC and an HNC um, when I was younger, when I was 15, 16. So college for me was was my route to get into, into university. And I qualified as a secondary school teacher um, and I stayed in the school sector for about three years before moving into college. And I worked in a college for about 10 years, one of the colleges in Glasgow. And for the latter part of that 10 years, I particularly uh, managed a, a particular section. So I, I had quite a lot of experience in working with college learners and the challenges facing um, the sector and so on. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to move into higher education. So I, I did that. I've completed a master's and completed a doctorate and moved into to start a client. So over the last couple of years, my, my thinking has really been informed by discussions with colleagues, integration and reading with academic writing, and also having quite a lot of time to think about my own experience in college as a student and also a, a lecturer. And I think this is a really interesting time to be talking about transformative learning and teaching because now is the time of, of, of change, it's a period of change, and I know the sector over the last 10 years has seen significant change, but we are in a situation to, to a bit of an extent at the moment where we have an unpredictable future, you know, with COVID, with changes in technology and so on, with changes about to happen to SQA, um, next HN, next gen, net skills being promoted and so on. Again, this is a, this is a period of change and uncertainty. So for me, transformative um, learning and teaching is about challenging and moving away from certain mindsets, pers perspectives, beliefs and assumptions that might be problematic. And it's about trying to be explicitly aware of the assumptions that we have, but how they make us see and understand and act in the world. 
Now, that's not to say the assumptions we have are not valid or are not right and so on, but it's about explicitly acknowledging that there are always other ways to view something. And it's about taking those assumptions and saying to ourselves, well, that's one way of seeing it, but what about this perspective or what about another perspective? And then making decisions and making choices about how to behave, how to act based on that new or, or, or adapted understanding of how we see or, or view something. And it ties really well um, with the social justice and sustainability agenda. It promotes an activist stance. And I know a lot of people might think, and I certainly thought when I heard that term activist, you know, I, I, that, that sort of conjured up all sorts of images in my mind. And, and that's not what I mean. An activist stance is really having this commitment to social justice, challenging certain assumptions, which can make people feel, feel uncomfortable sometimes. It's about asking questions, but using that information to have a positive impact on learners. That, and that's the key thing here. Um, but before we can do that, we have to think about where learning takes place. And you know, one of the questions that I would ask a lot of college lecturers is, have you really spent a lot of time thinking about your college and its community? And I don't just mean you know, the, the learners that go there or the SMID area that it's in, but I mean things like the political stances of the area, the economic um, assumptions we make about the area, the social assumptions we make, the ideological assumptions we make, you know, really spending time in uh, interrogating the assumptions that we make about our, our colleges, our communities, learners, and even ourselves. And probably a lot of people don't spend a lot of time really thinking about that and also thinking about the impact of those assumptions on the learner experience. And um, a lot of the views that, that us as individuals have will, will come from our own experience, of, of course they do. They'll come from things that we've seen other people do. Um, they'll come from views that we've, we've you know, obtained from reading, from talking to people, from experience and so on. But there's always an opportunity to challenge those and to think about, well, I hold this view, what is the impact of that view on my learners? And what are, uh, you know, what are the other ways of seeing the view that I have? And could that be a more positive um, outcome for learners? So I know I've spoken quite a lot there, but it's, it's, it's not really easy to define, I guess. So I, I suppose if I was going to summarise it, I would, I would be saying in my eyes, it's about making a difference. It's about really taking time out to examine assumptions and the beliefs that we have and thinking about what do those beliefs and assumptions and views mean for our learners and are there other ways of viewing them so does that give you a bit of an insight that's a very extensive introduction no i think it's really good no i think it gives a wider context and then kind of narrows it down but kind of gives a little uh, a little few or a number of different elements that kind of start to unpick that which i think is really useful like i know i've got no doubt some lecturers will kind of think yeah i do that great you know and i think the purpose of this conversation is it's direct as what absolutely is happening in education absolutely yeah. it's important for, for everybody to consider how we do that and certainly this never stops unless it's continuing yeah. evolving we kind of lose the very start you know it's a time of, of kind of 
opportunity for change right now. There's always an opportunity for change, but it's been ignited because of recent circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important, really quite exciting there as well. So I, I, think, got, I think you're right. There's been, you know, we've, we're still going through a period of extensive change and we're about to go through further change, particularly in the college sector with, you know, mandatory registration, HNX generation, changes in SQA and so on, you know, we're about to see another significant period of change over the next five to ten years. And and I suppose this is a, a an alternative approach and um, to embracing that change. Yeah, and I think we are and we aren't kind of going through a lot of change because I think absolutely systems are changing and systems around us are changing, but actually our role effectively hasn't changed. Absolutely not. Yeah. I know you're not saying it has, but yeah, and, and I think what's what's important for for people involved in education to really remember is actually well, our role here is to educate learners in front of us, just yeah. prepare them for the next steps of the workforce or wherever they wish to go to. But yeah, those natural things that are evolving around the periphery or a bit more substantial within our rules do impact on that, absolutely. Yeah. So coming back to the topic of transformative learning teaching, and this is all part of the topic, by the way, is I've got no doubt people think, right, either I do it or what does it look like? So you've kind of you've teased through a couple of elements there in terms of looking at where learning takes place and looking at your learners. What's the advice or thoughts or views in relation to that? So I think there's, there's lots of different ways we can approach this, but I think the, the first thing we have to think about and, and recognise is that all classrooms, regardless of whether you know they're in a college setting, a school setting, adult education setting, all classrooms are sites of power and privilege. And that, you know, that's not something we need to acknowledge. And we also have to acknowledge that all education is political. You know, the decisions that's been made about education, what we teach, how we teach it and so on, there's, there's a political motive there. Um, and I think I would say to, the first thing I would say to, to people is we need to recognise that. And we need to think about and be very open and honest in the, the conversations we have with students and with colleagues about the decisions we've made. So, for example, if we were talking about a particular textbook or a particular resource we were going to use with students, we would be thinking about, well, what's made us choose that book? That by choosing that resource or that book, who are we potentially excluding? You know, what assumptions are we making? What values are we, are we promoting by using that resource? And what views are we promoting? And therefore, what are we potentially excluding from using that particular resource. Um, if we think about uh, an assessment task that we get learners to do, for example, well, what are the assumptions we've made when, we're, when we've been designing that task, when we've been creating about it? What's led us to make the decisions about that task that we have? Um, but who are we potentially excluding by making those decisions? So it's about, it's about taking a step back and thinking about, okay, I've made this decision about a resource, about an assessment, or about a student, or so on. I've made an assumption. What are the other ways of looking at it? You know, who am I potentially excluding? What implicit assumptions have I made? And sometimes we might not be able to see those for ourselves. Sometimes we need to ask students, you know, what assumptions have I made when I've been doing this with you? We might need to ask colleagues, we need to ask other people. And that can be uncomfortable sometimes. But if we really are to, to transform things and, and have a real commitment to social justice, and that's what this is about, really, then we need to be able to have sometimes uncomfortable situations or conversations 
so that they can um, introduce positive change. No, I think it's some really interesting points there. And I don't know what a conversation the other day about a different topic, but I think it comes back to routines and habits. And I've got no doubt, again, I'm just thinking back to some colleagues I used to work with, I think, well, how am I going to do that for every textbook? It, it's not necessarily about being literal, but about going through that process and thinking and knowing your learners and developing that understanding and that mindset around that the learning and teaching practices that we have and the approach that we have and resources that we utilise. It's that consideration, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's about really taking students as, an, as, as partners, co-constructors of their learning. So students have a big role in this. I know I've spoken a lot about the lecturer's assumptions and the lecturer's views and so on, but students can give you a huge insight into that. They might be able to tell you the assumptions that they think you have and you might not know, you know, you might not recognise them yourself. And it's really about having students being the, the co-constructor in the resources that are used, the tasks that are done, you know, everything about their learning, because it is ultimately about them and, and their, their goals and their aspirations, engaging them in all aspects of, of making decisions. Um, and if we, re if we truly are learner-centred or student-centred, then students should be involved in every, deci every decision that's made about their learning, about how they're assessed, about their, their journey and so on. Sorry, that's my mic there. Yep, no, I would agree. And I think the other element that you mentioned that's really important to engage with is peers, you know, because, yeah. you know, lecturing can be quite an isolating role, you know, none more so yeah. now than ever, where you might work in an online world or remote, you know, there's different terms kind of banded around with kind of what's class, we're never remote because we're engaged, but actually can feel quite remote, quite isolating. Yeah. But even back in a pre-COVID world, collaboration with peers is really important, especially within this topic there as well. So what are your thoughts around that? Or what are your, I guess, maybe even tips or advice as well for, for colleagues around that? I think I, I absolutely agree. Collaboration is, is crucial and, and that partnership with colleagues is, is you know, fundamental. And I, I know it all takes time. I, you know, I appreciate that. And, you know, we're all busy people. We've all got things to do. But we have to recognise the benefits or potential benefits of collaboration, not, not just for ourselves, but for our colleagues and also students. Now, collaboration could, could mean a, a number of things. It might, it might involve sitting down with a colleague for half an hour and talking them through what they're doing with students, why they're doing it in a certain way, you know, thinking about some of the, um, some of the decisions that they've made. But one of the things I would encourage lecturers to do is, is to go and see other people teach. You know, actually go and observe other lecturers and and other disciplines, for example, learn or or view what they are doing. Think about how that relates to your practice. Think about the assumptions that other lecturers are making about the students and the way they learn and so on. Um, you know, buddying up with somebody in a college, having some sort of critical friend where you can run things past them, I think it's really useful as well. And there's lots of there's lots of ways to be able to collaborate. You know, there's there's sort of more um a, I don't want to say formal or, or official ways, but things like undertaking, you know, preferred collaborative professional inquiry, you know, and, and working with a colleague to to work through a project or a problem and, and to, to come up with some sort of solution. So it can be very informal as as well as formal, but I think particularly in the college sector, we, we maybe need to think a little bit more about the role our colleagues can have and the how they can influence and shape what we're doing and what we can learn from our colleagues as well. And I always think what's particularly interesting is going to see a colleague teach 
a class of students that we also teach to see how the same students behave, react, um, and function with the same, you know, the same peers, but in front of a different lecturer. I always think that's quite an interesting experience to do that. Um, so that, that would be some advice that I would have. No, I think that's great. There's, there's lots of different examples there. And again, what I'd recommend based on my own personal learning experience of going through the process of, of developing professional learning for colleagues who have been in colleges is actually treat them like students. And what I mean by that is everybody's different. You know, yeah. a phrase I've used quite a lot through the podcast series is know your learners. Yeah. Same here when it comes to kind of knowing your staff. So whilst some staff might like it formal and rigid, other staff might like a more relaxed and informal, you know, and it, it's really important because I think the other word which you've used quite a few times, which again resonates with me, is that, that word perspective. Yeah. That's all I think as educators that we can really encourage and we can develop others around us to develop their own or awareness around that term perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, perspective in my head is just quite simply how people view a situation. Yeah, yeah. And it's incredibly powerful, especially when working with colleagues around their own practice because naturally we're very defensive and protective typically yeah. as human nature of our own practice absolutely when you introduce a peer into have a conversation or to kind of watch the guard goes up naturally yeah yeah and it's about perspectives or trust and all the other things that are trying to build students it's important yeah. to kind of build the staff because again kind of fed a bit for me on this is i would fully echo your point around it's really really important to watch other other teachers other lecturers yeah and i think I've been very fortunate that's been kind of part of my job to do and the challenge for me is how do we develop the capacity for more teachers and lecturers to do this as part of their job because it's just so hard to do often. Yeah I, I think so and, and, and that you know requ requires buy-in from from colleges as well you know there needs to be capacity for lecturers to do that you know there needs to be time provided to do that where possible and it also needs to be seen as, as truly a, a developmental and learning tool. It's not some sort of performativity measure. Um, you know, I have a darn it shouldn't be some design manager that's going into it or, or, or so on. You know, there should be no power relations involved or we should minimise the power relations there, if you like. Um, it should be purely a develop, development, developmental task. And one of the suggestions I would have if anybody's thinking about engaging in peer observation or, or learning from a peer in, in some sort of way, is to keep it focused. So perhaps you're, you're going in to look at interactions with students or you're going in to look at questioning or you're looking at behaviour management or you know, something really quite specific you're going into view. You're not going in to just look at everything that's going on because classrooms are busy places, but you're trying to keep it quite focused and quite and quite narrow. And, and the point, Johnny, you made a moment ago about perspective, I think is important. We do we do all have this natural inclination to get to get our backs up a wee bit and the guards go up a little bit when, when maybe somebody offers a different perspective or challenge it. But we would expect, I think, our students to be open and willing to be challenged. You know, we're promoting um, a questioning mindset from students. We're, we're encouraging students to, to be able to see different perspectives and so on. So in my view, we've got to model that ourselves and, and be seen to, to model that perspective. No, I would wholly agree with that. And I think when we're talking about the term of, of transformative learning and teaching, these are kind of some really key principles. And yeah. difficulty is these things are sound like common sense, you know, because yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you're looking from the same thing, actually, well, why aren't we doing this? But actually, uh, there's a number of reasons why we haven't, you know, because of kind of culture in the past or, or how, just how things have been. 
and it's because it's not easy to do. Yeah. Uh, a, f- a former colleague of mine, you know, used to kind of often make reference to things like that nah, it goes on a too hard to do pile. Doesn't happen. It's a good idea. It doesn't happen because it just goes on a too hard to do pile. Let's just yeah. get back how we've always done it and, and do what we do. And it's yeah. really important that you know, if we're going to really reflect on the impact of our learning and teaching, either individually yeah. or collectively as a career or even a college-wide, yeah. that will have these difficult conversations. First, we look at kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then secondly, as to how we can evolve and how we can develop and improve further. That's right. And it's all, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's also about, you know, challenging the views of students. And I think that's something, that, you know, lots and lots of college lecturers will do it all the time. And, and that's great. So we need to be open to have our own views challenged sometimes um, and, and to, to be willing to see different perspectives. But the key thing, I think, is to think about the impact of those views on the student experience. Um, and sometimes that impact isn't visible. It might be, it might be hidden. You know, it might be implicit. And um, but we really need to try and tease that out by by collaborating with students and and talking to them, thinking about the context and place of learning, um, and and you know having that honest and open frank dialogue with with students and other people as well. Yeah. No, that, that, that's really interesting. Lee. And I think the other thing to to really share is that again for those where concepts of this either maybe new or, or kind of are, are kind of setting some some thoughts like in your head is these aren't going to be exhaustive processes this is just part of your daily practice and part of your culture with your students and it's all kind of building those routines and, and build, building this routine as part of your mindset when going through the, the, the planning or the co-creation element for a new unit new module assessment lesson or whatever is that yeah. fair to see you there as well yeah, and I think you know there's, there's there's some particular things around creating new modules or, or new you know new units and, and assessment. We, we, you know, I know we're we're, we're going to have a chat about those, and I think there's a few things to really to think about there. Um, so we can we can have a chat about that. Yeah, no, that's great. In terms of space, Lee, is there any kind of elements of, of research that kind of people could, could draw upon if they want to go and find out more? There's a lot of different perspectives around transformative teaching and learning, and it's something that really over the last, I was going to say 30 years, which is probably 40 to 50 years now when I think about it, um, that's evolving and it's changing. And, and it's not without criticism, you know, that there's always different perspectives, and, and that's not to say this is the solution to everything. I don't think it is the solution to everything, it's one perspective. Um, and I'm obviously biased, I, I particularly like it, you know, and I'm open to that, to that bias. But there is a lot of um, there's a lot of literature and, and reading and so on out there. And what I can maybe do is send you some some links, particularly easily you know easily accessible pieces of text and, and things that people can put into practice. I think that could be quite useful. Um, I've also set up a, a new Twitter feed looking at learning and teaching and, and transformative practice in, in colleges. So so I can always share that as well, and people can 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 um, you know. Be able to find some some articles and resources and things like that that I've shared. But there is a lot of literature out there um, and text. It's just I suppose it's just more where to go and, and finding something that's accessible. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks, Lee. And yeah, we absolutely share that. We kind of want to release the podcast as well, and that'll be kind of in the description. And I guess the final bit what I'm keen to do is kind of as a start bring this towards a close is as I guess consolidate some of these some of this discussion and think right where do I start. You know, so maybe kind of three or four key points is where actually this is something I think I do, but either I want to check it or something I want to do more or something I want a conversation with. Where do I start? So if you can so first, identify, yeah, sorry, three or four yeah. key elements. 
over to you. So the, the first thing I would do is I would sit and interrogate myself and say to myself, okay, what assumptions do I make about myself and, and my approach to teaching and learning? What assumptions do I make about uh, students, the college and the community? You know, what, you know, what and, and really interrogate that, you know, really think about the, the assumptions for each of those um, stakeholders. I would then try and think about the the impact of the assumptions that I've identified. So, you know, if, if I was having a look at this, I might draw out some sort of mind map to think about these assumptions. I would then think about, okay, what are the what's the impact of those assumptions that I have on students and the student experience? And then I would be thinking about, you know, what opportunities do I really have or what, what opportunities do I really provide students to question the decisions that I've made about resources or how they're going to learn and so on. You know, what opportunity have I given them to really help co-construct what they are doing and to be active um, participants, if you like, in, in, in the learning, teaching and assessment um, process. And I think for, for me, you know, they are two really good starting points um, is, is to think about that. Think about the assumptions and the impact and also, you know, really be honest with yourself and say, genuinely what opportunities do I have do I give students to, to ask me questions about the teaching learning assessment that they do um, and, and really to interrogate me on it I think that would be would be a good starting point. No Lee I think that's great I think what, what you've done there is really summarise what is a pretty complex topic in the at the end but yeah. also into kind of 25-30 minutes of yeah, I'm going to say that, that kind of bite-sized information, that's a starting point for people to kind of really think about, really explore. And what I'd say is this might be the type of episode where people might listen back to, you know, twice or thrice sometimes. We need yeah. to kind of look at little snippets and think, right, actually, what does that mean for me and, and how do I do it? And what, what I guess is refreshing is that it links to other key topics explored, rather, in the last academic session around relationships, around yeah. uh, Dr. Ed Hall join us on kind of interactions and actually viewing meetings or, or, or kind of conversation with students as interactions and kind yeah. of making those count and, and some of those underlying principles within those align to this as, as well so I think again more so for, for individual thinking it's not a great big long checklist of things that we have to do but yeah. all these things often feed together yeah. to help us develop our own practice as a, as a lecturer or practitioner yeah to, to I guess possibly over time make us more rounded and more yeah. aware of different factors and you know, there's a couple of things that I, 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 for, for me, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, in, in student engagement and where we genuinely give student, students opportunity to shape things and, and to have a say in decisions. And a couple of things for me stick out, and I sort of hinted at this earlier, and one of those is around assessment. Yeah. Um, and it comes back to the fact that we are in a education is political and we've got to think about the awarding bodies and so on and, and you know it's not always an awful lot we can do about that but for me what lies at the heart or, or one of the things that lies at the heart of transformative teaching and learning is the idea of authentic assessment because we already know that assessment is powerful we know for a lot of students assessment is what they're interested in assessment is you know they want to know what they're doing assessment will drive to a certain extent what they're learning so if assessment does have that powerful role then surely there's a relationship there for us to consider between assessment and social justice and that for me is a really interesting idea and when we think about assessment we quite often talk in conversation with, with people and students about assessment being fair 
And um, but fair doesn't mean that it should be the same. And what I think we often get maybe bogged down a little bit when it comes to assessment is the procedural aspects of it. Um, and and you know we think about what is permitted, what is not permitted in certain circumstances. You know we might have assessment policies in colleges and, and you know the, the SQA and exam boards and so on. You know give us a big list of things that's acceptable and, and not. Um, I think that's something for us to really think about. We need to really think about how authentic is our assessment approaches. Um, how fair is the is the process of, of assessment? And I don't mean procedural there. Um, and remember, fair doesn't necessarily mean the same. And I think that's an interesting idea. You know, fairness does not mean, in all instances, sameness. If if that makes sense. And that's that's for me personally, that's quite an interesting idea to to think about. And that's challenged quite a lot of my own assumptions about teaching and learning. Um, and and I think that's that's quite interesting. You know, you know, if I give you a quick example, you know when granting an extension for an assignment, for example, you know, quite often we wouldn't grant an extension for pressures of work, for example, or because somebody was having to work, but actually why not? You know, why, why shouldn't we be taking into account the fact that if somebody's having to work or have a family to look after and so on, um, or, or are having to, you know, to work during the night and things like that, then why would we not give them that extension? You know, we, we tend to only give extensions, for example, for medical reasons, so I think there's a whole interesting conversation there about socially just assessment practices and, and policies. And for me, that, that's really exciting and an interesting area to explore. No, I think that's a, I think you just lined up the next podcast or a, a podcast later in the series can really unpick yeah. elements of that there as well, because you're absolutely right. And I had a similar conversation this morning, not necessarily around fairness, but around assessment methods, around meeting the needs of our learners where we yeah, at, at times there's a perception that it's quite restrictive when it comes to assessment, but all of the elements of learning and teaching are really quite open-ended and, and, yeah. and diverse and meet the needs of individual learners. Yeah, and, and no, absolutely. And and I think, you know, at the start of, the, at the start of a module, at start of a unit, one of the things we probably all do, and, you know, I'm guilty of it as well, is we, we might show slides with learning objectives, for example. But that's a very sort of trans, transmissional or, or almost like a contract between the learning objectives and assessment you know that's how that's been communicated or, or that's the assumption or view that's been promoted but we really need to if we're going to engage students with learning and with assessment and so on then we need, we need to really engage them in, in that conversation about about their learning and, and with learning outcomes and so on but i think that is a whole other conversation around that and something that's, that's quite interesting no i think it's fascinating i think it's really interesting because Whilst we're talking around transformative learning and teaching, there are other factors out of our control which can yeah, negate some of, can negate some of the positive impact that has been made across different elements of learning and teaching. So, so I totally get it. It, it. It's a huge, a huge element. Um, but I'm conscious around this topic today, and I think the more I'm thinking about this now, you know, because for people that listen, we don't pre-script these conversations. We're framing yeah. a couple of questions and where we go. And I'm thinking, well, actually, I'm a lecturer. Where do I start? My lasting bit of advice um, on nourishment is one of the kind of former uh, podcast guests kind of shared. Instead of having takeaways, well, what's your nourishment? I think the thing about nourishment for me is to get something small in this topic, focus on that, and yeah. then build and develop there. Because if you try and tackle all of your teaching practice within one go, as you said about the teaching observation, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll go crazy. 
Yeah, and, and I think, you know, just to, to add to that final point is we're all starting with uh, with this at different points. You know, we need to recognise some of us maybe adopting some of these practices already, others, you know, maybe not not so not as much so. So we need to build on what we already know and what we've experienced, and that will be different for every, for everybody that's listening, absolutely. No, great. What, that's fantastic. Really interesting conversation. Like I said, I'm still thinking now, you can probably kind of tell I'm hesitant when in my speech because I'm thinking of processing different elements of this, and I'm sure the listeners are. So thank you for your time. You know, some really interesting perspectives. No worries. It's great to chat. Yeah. And I've got no doubt others will be interested in kind of firstly seeing some of the elements of kind of research associated with this, but then secondly, maybe further conversations around assessment and other elements of teaching practice. And to consider there. So, Lee, thank you for your time and enjoy your weekend when it comes. Yeah, you too, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lee.